in your Bible to Joshua, the book of Joshua. And while you're turning there, let me kind of introduce where we've been and where we're going. Uh, we started a series now, counting this Sunday, six Sundays ago, called Uncharted Waters, Navigating Your Way into God's Perfect Plan for Your Life. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a will for your life. Then say, He has a plan. The thing about our life, though, you know, we look at our future and we go, we've never been there before. How many, you know, Michael J. Fox is not here, so when he's not, he's the only guy I know of that, that I really believe probably went to the future. I'm joking. But uh, uh, God has been there, amen? He knows it all. And what we need to do is cooperate with the will of God and navigate our way into God's perfect will and plan for our life. And so that's what we've been talking about. And we've been uh, looking at the life of Joshua and the children of Israel to give us some important insights. In fact, look in Joshua chapter 3. The context is this. The children of Israel are about to cross the Jordan River. After 40 years of wilderness wanderings, they're about to cross into God's promised possession. And the reason they wandered in the wilderness is because the, the children of Israel complained and murmured and didn't believe God's plan for their life. And when they got up to this point 40 years earlier, they doubted God and they rebelled and resisted God. And as a result, God said, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And so, and in fact, all the complainers died out before they could move into their promised possession. And so now they're about to move in and possess the land. And so, uh, and as I kind of joked last, a couple of Sundays ago, wouldn't you hate it to have been that last old doubter that was on his deathbed, the last one that was hindering and the keeping them from moving into their promised possession. I'm sure they were all going, well, bless you, brother. We'll see you on the other side. Amen. Now they were ready to move in. And so we've been looking at that and I, we're sharing with you what I call 12 life lessons of spiritual progress. And so this will be the sixth one. We're at halftime already. And so after we get done today, we'll be halfway through. But let me tell you, uh, how many of you know sometimes the last quarter are some of the most exciting times? We're having a little PowerPoint problem, and, uh, and if you need to skip that slide, you can. But let's look in Joshua chapter 3. This is the context. Here we go. This is where we get our series from. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And it goes on to say, yet there shall be a space between you and it after about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, catch this, that you may know the way by which you must go for you have not passed this way before. Look at your neighbor and say, we've not passed this way before. You see, it's uncharted waters for the children of Israel. They've never passed this way before. And, and Joshua said, hey, keep your eye on the presence of God. Keep your eye on the ark. So you'll know which way you should go. You see, I believe these life lessons that we're sharing will help us understand the way and the plan of God for our life. In fact, I've told you these three things about these life lessons. They all will do some important things. Each lesson will help you do this. It's designed to do this in your life. Number one, lift the burden of the unknown off of your life. 
A lot of people are looking at your future and you're just going, wow, I don't see any hope. I don't see it. Hey, God wants to lift the burden of the unknown in your life. Some people fear the future. Uh, and I believe God wants, to, wants us to be excited about our future and, and, and get motivated about God's plan for our life. And they'll not only lift the burden of the unknown, but these life lessons will lighten the load of unrighteous lifestyle in your life. You see, there's some things we've got to lay down in order to pick up God's purpose and plan for our life. And not only will they lift the burden and lighten the load, but they'll lead you into God's unwavering promise and purpose for your life. You'll get revelation knowledge. And let me just throw this at you this morning. If you, if you just jumped on board with us this morning and you've missed the first five, you can catch them on iTunes. You can go to our website. I would encourage you to do that. Here's how we began. We talked about life lesson number one, and that is this, embrace the promises. Everyone say, embrace the promises. You see, you've got to get a hold of the promises of God in your life. And that's what God did with Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. I don't have time to re-preach it, but God reaffirmed the promise of God to Joshua. And because of the promise, he pressed forward into the promise. Amen. And so embrace the promises. Number two, we talked about the priority of God's presence in our life. And, and when you read Joshua 1, God said to him two or three times, I'm not going to leave you. I'll be with you. And oh, we need his presence. In fact, there was one time in the middle of the wilderness wanderings that God got so upset with the children of Israel. He said, Moses, you take them on in. I'm not going. I, you take them in. I promised I'd give them the land. I'm not going. And basically Joshua and Moses said, if you don't go, we don't don't go. How many of you know, without his presence, we don't want his presence? Two different words. We don't want his promises without his presence. And so it's the priority of his presence is so important. These life lessons that'll move you forward into the destiny of God for your life. Then we talked about the fear not factor. Look at somebody and say, fear not. I want to tell you the future can be fearful, but I said, tell, I just heard one person, I think say, look at somebody with boldness and say, fear not brother. Come on. It's the fear not factor. And then a couple of Sundays ago, we talked about taming the tongue. Oh, you need to get that if you weren't here. OMG. You need that one. We all need that one. It changed my life. It is changing my life. And then last Sunday, I wasn't here. I was actually in Quitman, Texas at the church that we uh, began in full-time ministry at, Church on the Rock in Quitman, preaching for them in their pastor's absence. And Ryan Castile, our youth and student pastor, he shared focus on forward. How many of you were here last Sunday? How many of you know that was some good stuff? Amen. God bless you, Ryan. Thank you so much. Ryan talked to us about the past, and he said the past many times will keep us from our future. And if we're all hung up in the past, we can't move forward. We've got to focus on forward. Paul the Apostle said, I'm forgetting that which lies behind, and I'm reaching forward to that which lies ahead. I'm pressing forward. Everyone say, onward, Christian soldiers. It's focus on forward. Now, I was so excited to listen to that message, and I have to tell you that that's the one where the button forgot to get pushed on the record, and so it's forever lost. And for all you people who got it last Sunday, you are a special tribe of, of chosen select of the elect. I'll never hear it uh, in my whole lifetime. And so you got it. I missed it, so I'm getting the notes. So, uh, But hey, everyone say focus on forward. Now this morning, as we move into halftime, here's, here's life lesson number six. And I've got plenty of time today. The spaghetti will not get cold. The rolls will not get cold. Are there rolls? There are rolls. Somebody say hallelujah. 
And oh, by the way, these, these pies and cakes we're going to auction off, when, that, when the highest bidder gets, buys one, I'm going I'm to, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to say, save it or serve it. And then all the people that are there go, serve it, serve it. That's just me, okay? So be forewarned. Here we go. Life lesson number six, preparing to possess. Everyone say preparation. Preparation is hugely important. And where we get this life lesson is in Joshua chapter 1, verse 11. Joshua gets the promise. He gets the motivation. And then verse 10, he looks and he says, Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, you got it? Verse 10, Joshua 1. And here's what he tells them. He tells the officers of the people, pass through the camp and command the people saying, here it is, prepare provisions for yourselves. Everyone say, prepare provisions for yourselves. Say it. Prepare provisions for yourselves. Why? For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. There's so much I want to say right there that are not even in my notes, and I'm going to throw out one. How many of you know just because God promises it doesn't mean we're going to possess it? That's why we need to prepare our lives and prepare provisions for ourselves. You know, there's nothing worse than having a promise from God that, that is available to you, but you have not prepared yourself to receive what God has for you. I don't like not being prepared. I will, to the best of my ability will not stand up in front of God's people without an unction of the Holy Ghost on me and, and not be prepared. In fact, this month I'll be preaching to pastors from all over or somewhere up in Wisconsin uh, in an organization that I'm not actually even a part of. It's a pastor's uh, conference for three days. And I've been, they gave me a theme and I've been preparing for weeks. I thought to myself, I cannot be unprepared. You, you, you can, you can uh, get by with a few things with, with your folks, but you get in front of a bunch of Bible scholars, you better be prepared. So I've been prepared. I'm still preparing. I don't like not being prepared. And when we get close to the promise of God, we need to be ready. We need to make provisions for ourselves. Amen. So here's the big idea. This is what you need to write down. This is what you need to take a picture of with your phone and, 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 and post it on Facebook, whatever you want. Here we go. It is this. There are some things we must possess by way of preparation in order to possess our promised provision. Let's read this together out loud and proud. Here we go. The big idea is this. There are some things, everybody together, here we go. There are some things we must possess by way of preparation in order to possess our promised provision. That's what Joshua 1.11 said. Prepare provisions for yourselves, for in three days you're going to cross over this Jordan into the promises of God that they had been waiting on, some now, for 40 years. And so the promise of God on their life was before them, but they had to prepare. You know, as an illustration, <coughs> I thought about 2 Kings chapter 4. The widow's oil. You don't need to turn there, but you might remember this. I tell the story. Second Kings chapter 4, Elisha uh, and this widow, uh, she needed a miracle of provision in her life. 
She was in serious trouble. I believe her husband, who was a prophet, had died, and she had no money, and her children were about to maybe be sold into slavery. I can't remember all the circumstances, but she needed a miracle in her life. And Elisha walks into her life and says, what do you need? And she says, man, this is what I need. And, and you know what the, the prophet said? Hey, go gather vessels, empty vessels, and bring, don't just bring a few. She said, and, oh, here we go. She said, only have a little jar, a little cruise of oil. I just got this little bit of oil. And he said, go get vessels. And she went and she rallied vessels from everywhere. She began to prepare for the provision of God in her life. Hello? You know, a lot of people, I, I'm convinced, they're sitting on their blessed assurance and just saying, the Lord's going to do a miracle in my midst. And hey, if that's what God told you to do, so be it. But what I've always seemed to come to the place is where there's always a condition to the provision. There's always a condition to the promise of God. And so she goes out and she rallies all the vessels she could find. And he brings the cruise of oil, her little cruise of oil, and begins to pour into every vessel. Every vessel fills up. every. And when she ran out of vessels, the cruise of oil ran dry. And the prophet said, now go sell what you got and live on the rest and God supernaturally provided. That's the big idea. Let's read it together again, everyone. Read it loud and proud. Here we go. There are some things we must possess by way of preparation in order to possess our promised provision. How many of you got that? If you got it, look around and tell somebody, I got it. How about you? I got that. That's what you've got to get if you're going to get it right here. That we've got to prepare. If we're going to pro progress spiritually, there's some things that God wants to do in our lives. There's some preparations that need to be made in our life. We've got to prepare our lives so we can possess what he has for us. Amen. So here we go. I'm going to give you four thoughts today. Four important principles about possessing some things we've got to possess in order to possess. Some things you and I must possess by way of our preparation in order to possess God's ultimate promise provision in our life. And if you don't get these, you won't get that. Are you with me? So here we go. We got to talk about preparing ourselves. And the first thing that I want to, that I see in this, in, in Joshua's life and in the children of Israel in this illustration, the first thing you and I must possess, we do it by possessing, number one, a heart to obey. Everyone say, a heart to obey. We prepare ourselves to possess God's promised possession by possessing a heart to obey. And when you look at Joshua, the first verse or two, you see he's living under the command of God in his life. God says to him, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land, which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. He's living under the command of God in his life. He has developed a heart to obey the word. In fact, if you remember, it was Joshua and Caleb were the only two of the 12 spies who came back 40 years earlier with a, with a heart to obey the command of God, to move into the destiny of God for their life. But the other 10 says, no, we can't do it. There's gi 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 giants in the land. And we were like gr 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 grasshoppers in their side. And you brought us out here to kill us. And they complained, and as a result, 40 years 
in the wilderness, but we see in the life of Joshua. In fact, look what God says to him in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do. Everyone say observe to do. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn uh, from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Did you get that? A heart to obey is a priority and a necessity in order for the prosperity and the directive and the provision and the promise of God to be realized in your life. Most people at best have selective obedience. And it's amazing to me how clear the Word of God is about certain things and people talk themselves into direct disobedience and somehow come up with some kind of unusual excuse to be able to disobey God and assume that God's going to wink at it and say, hey, well, that, I understand that area of your life. But he says, you've got to don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep yourselves on the word of God. And look what he says, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do. Everyone say, observe to do. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For you, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And then he throws in verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and a good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then we see verse 10. He gets it. Then Joshua commanded the officers, prepare provisions for yourselves. You see, a heart to obey is keynote, if you will, when it comes to spiritual progress in your life. Disobedience, partial obedience. Listen, partial obedience is just flat out disobedience. Are you with me? He didn't say observe to do 90%, obey 30%, 80%, 50%. He said keep your eyes on the Word of God. Don't turn to the left or the right. Hey, you obey me in every area of your life. Somebody say amen. It's a heart to obey. Not only God and His Word. I find some people, well, I'll obey God, but these these people He's given us, we're not so sure about them. I got a little time. Let me show you a passage of Scripture. Ezekiel 33. O-M-G. I'll get off that after a while, but look here. Exodus 33. Are you, are you there yet? Exodus 33, the prophetic word of God. It's, no, did I say Exodus. I'm close. Ezekiel 33. Way on over. Ezekiel 33. Thank you. I heard someone. I looked at Exodus 33. I said, that ain't anywhere close, man. We're way off. Ezekiel 33. My pastor friend, Sonny Conancer, texted this to me the other day, and I said, this fits. Look in verse 30. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak to one another, everyone's saying to his brother, please come and hear the word of the Lord that comes from the Lord. Now, that's, I like that. Stop and look up. I like that. The prophet says, God says, hey, people are talking about you. And they're all saying, come, you got to hear this guy. Woo-hoo. He's shucking the cord. He's laying it out. But catch verse 31. So they come to you as people do. They sit down. 
They sit uh, before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. He goes on to say, indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. How many of you know there's nothing new under the sun? You know what James said? He said, we've got to to be uh, uh, not only an effectual hearer of the word, James 1, we've got to be an effectual doer of the word. In fact, James 1 says, those who hear the word are like a, and don't do it are like those who look in a mirror and go, man, you're looking good. Yeah. But then they walk away and forget what they look like. He said, we've got to be doers of the word. Look at your neighbor and say, we've got to be doers of the word. It's a heart to obey. We've, hey, if you, if you want to possess what God has for you, you've got to possess a heart to obey what he has for you. Because understand something, there's directive between here and there. Amen. There's directive between here and there. So we prepare ourselves to possess by possessing a heart to obey. God help us today. How many of you don't want to be the prophetic fulfillment of Ezekiel 33, 30, and 32? Don't let that be my life. Don't let that be my heart. I want to possess a heart to, put, to obey God in every area of my life. The second thing I see in Joshua, and, and also not only Joshua, but the children of Israel. In fact, the children of Israel, uh, those that had the new Joshua generation, they had possessed this heart of obedience because they got the command of God in their life. And you know what the word of the Lord was? They, he said, you got to obey what God says. And in verse 13, they say this, hey, guess what? In verse 16, they said, all that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. They got it. Everyone say they got it. Man, I love that. All that you command us, we will do. And everywhere you send us, we will go. Hey, listen, we've got to follow through with a heart to obey. And then number two, the second thing we've got to possess so we can possess is a keen sense of the will of God. You see, God has a plan. Some people think God's plan is hazy and kind of broad and kind of un, un, you know, lacks clarity. Hey, listen, Joshua had a clarity of understanding about God's will for his life. And God wants us to have the same thing. In fact, look in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. God, he, he, he just clarifies it if there was any doubt. Hey, go over to the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Now, understand something. Joshua had been wandering in the wilderness because of other people's disobedience for 40 years. It didn't undermine God's promise. Just because a promise is delayed does not mean it's denied. And God was bringing him back to the, to the keen sense and understanding of the will of God for his life. In fact, this is what he told the, the captains to tell the people in verse 13. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all you mighty men of valor and help them. He was reminding them of the will of God for their life. God has a plan for your life. 
And we'll never arrive there until we begin to embrace the key and have a keen sense and an understanding of God's plan and purpose for our life. That's why Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said this, after you enter the presence of God and you say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the next thing you need to do is pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. The first priority of prayer after praise and worship is plugging into the will of God, yielding ourselves to his purpose and his plan. And allowing his will to begin to be realized in and through our lives. In fact, we've been, we talked about this a little on Wednesday night and yielding ourselves to the will of God and, and, and surrender. In fact, Wednesday night, we just had a great altar time in ministry where we yielded ourselves on the altar of sacrifice. We're going to do that again next Wednesday. Why? Because how many of you know yielding our lives is many times a process? In fact, Jesus, three times in Matthew 26, he prayed it three times. Nevertheless, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Three times. In one prayer. Why? Because it was a process. And Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't be conformed to this world. The world has a will for your life. Paul the apostle told the Roman church in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2, he said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't, don't let them put their, impose their will upon you. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, if you're going to possess the promises that he has for you, you've got to prepare yourselves by possessing a heart to obey and a keen sense of his will and plan for your life. God wants to reveal his plan and his will to you. And some of you thought you knew the will of God and it has been delayed in your life and you're thinking maybe not. Listen, hey, delay is not denial. And so we've got to embrace and possess a heart to obey and a keen sense of the will of God. And number three, what I see in Joshua and in this illustration, they had to possess a prophetic word from God over their life. You see, just because we've got a promise doesn't mean we don't need a prophetic, a rhema word from God in the middle of our circumstances. And they got it. God began to speak to them. He began to confirm in them what the promise of God had been, had been established in their life. And now they had gotten a prophetic, they got a prophetic word. Look in Joshua chapter 3, when he gets the people together. Look what he says. Oh gosh, there's a lot here. Um, he, let's just jump in at verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear. Everyone say, come here and hear. Come, H-E-R-E and H-E-A-R. Come here and hear what? Hear the words of the Lord your God. You see, they were not only going on Joshua and what he thought and what he believed. They were, they were, they were moving out on a word from God. Listen, when you've got a word from God, heavens will open 
Seas will part. Devils will be defeated. Miracles will take place. And they got a word from God. Joshua said, by this, you shall know that the living God is among you. Now, you got to stop. What I'm about to read to you, we have no record that God was, had told Joshua this is what he was going to do. But Joshua just assumed some things. He assumed that because God had, had, had parted the Red Sea, he could handle the River Jordan. Are you with me? We never see God telling Joshua. He said, you just cross over the river. Now, did you know it was flood season? It was flood season when they were up. In other words, the river was deep and the river was wide. And believe you me, I've been baptized there and it was cold. Amen. Right, right, Cade? Ryan, did you get baptized in River Jordan? It was cold, wasn't it? Little, little nippy. And in this flood season, it was deep. And God just said, hey, go cross over it. He didn't tell him how. He just said, go do it. But he got a prophetic word and he, he gets up in front of the people and he just declares how God's going to do this. He said, that you may know. Uh, uh, he said, Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and he will without fail. Somebody say without fail. He will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and all those other pesticides and Gershomites and Amorites, all those ites. I'm getting rid of them all. And he said, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord uh, of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men of the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass. I like that part. It shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off and the waters will come down from the, uh, that come down from upstream. They shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross. Somebody say, so it was. He said, so it shall be. And so it was. He spoke the prophetic word of God. So it was. Hey, and we could read on and find out what he said would be. So it was. You see, we live not only by the promise of God, but by the prophetic word of God. Where God comes and speaks in our spirit and say, now, this is your day. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. Amen. Wow. And number four, if we're going to possess God's provision and blessing and move into the perfect will of God for our life, we've got to prepare ourselves by possessing a heart to obey a keen sense of the will of God and a prophetic word from God. And number four, we've got to possess ourselves. What do you mean there? Well, look in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. How many of you know that's some preparation on the inside? Consecrate, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders in your sight. Now, let me just pause and throw in Pastor Sam's commentary. Could it be that the reason many of us are not experiencing the wonders is because we've not prepared ourselves? That when we really begin to prepare ourselves on the inside, God can do, then do something on the outside. 
I would have said amen right there, but that's just me. That when we prepare ourselves on the inside, God will do something miraculous with the external circumstances of our life. Now, pause, go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Make a big journey. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. When you're there, say, I'm there. Somebody say it because I'm not there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'm there. Catch this. This is what we're talking about. He says this in verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Stop and look up at me. What did God tell Joshua to tell the people? Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders in your sight. Here's what Paul tells the Thessalonians. He says this. He says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Pause, look up at me. You know why a lot of people died in the wilderness, the children of Israel? Because of sexual sin. They blew it. They didn't know how to possess themselves. Look what he goes on to say. He said, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Let me read it again. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter, on and on and on. But he said, we need to know how to possess ourselves in sanctification and honor. Listen, folks, we live in a very immoral, ungodly world. And we can't let the world program our brain. Paul the Apostle said, listen, you got to get this one. you gotta, you got to know how to possess yourselves. If you can't get, get control of your own life, how are you going to be able to uh, gain control of the blessings of God in your, in your future? This will keep us back, hold us back, keep us from progress. We've got to prepare ourselves, prepare provisions for our life in order to possess what God has for us. A heart to obey. A keen sense of the will of God. A prophetic word from God over our life. Hey, and a sanctified life. I'm sanctified. I'm preparing myself. I am possessing my life. You say, oh, but man, wow. There's a lot I could say. Romans chapter 6 says, yield your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Go back to Romans chapter 12. He says this, what are, what, what's our responsibility, responsibility in order for God's will to be made manifest in our life? Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. This is a principle of spiritual progress that we've got to prepare ourselves. Prepare our lives and begin to choose wisely and righteously and yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness of God and, and realize that, hey, we're not slaves to sin any longer. Somebody say amen. But we're slaves of God. You see, before you were born again, 
You sinned because you had to. After you're born again, you know why you sin? Just because you want to. You see, just because you're born again doesn't mean your want to hadn't got fixed. It's called the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We've got to say no. Everyone say, everyone say no. I'm not doing, no. By the power of Almighty God, I stand in faith under the authority of God's Word, and I say sin shall not have dominion over my life. I'm preparing myself. I'm possessing myself in sanctification and honor. Not just because it's the right thing to do, but because, hey, I'm I'm on my way. And I'm not going to let anything stop me from God's perfect plan for my life. You see, God does have a plan for our life. It doesn't guarantee our safe arrival. We've got to be prepared. If we prepare our lives with a heart to obey and a keen sense of the will of God and, and we get the prophetic word of God burning in our heart and we prepare our own lives, then we're postured to press forward. Amen. Let me give you one more thought about the word possess. In fact, let me say this. When you possess these four things, when you possess them, you become possessed by what you possess. You see, some people, when you think about the word possessed, you get weird, unusual thoughts in your head. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what I'm talking about. When you possess, you become possessed by what you possess. Let's think about it in a negative sense. You get possessed. Hey, your whole goal is to possess money. And that becomes your whole goal. I've just got to get money, money, money. And you possess it. You know what it starts doing? It starts possessing you. But on the flip side, if you possess a heart to obey and a keen sense of the will of God and you're operating under the prophetic word of God over your life and you're possessing yourselves in sanctification and honor, you become possessed by that which you have possessed. And it will lead you to possess what God has for you to yet possess. Did I lose you on that one? And so, one little word about, one little thought about the word possess. When it says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 11, where we began, where he said, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. That word possess means to possess by dispossessing. Everyone say, to possess by dispossessing. In other words, now think of the children of Israel. What was their big hiccup 40 years earlier? The giants. And we're grasshoppers. And Jericho. Oh, lions and tigers and bears. Oh. Did you know there's not one mention of these, by these people about these giants anymore? 
And the word possess, that God says, you're going to go and possess, here's what it says. You're going to go in and possess, but you're going to have to dispossess. Let me throw it to you this way. If you're going to possess a heart to obey, what needs to be knocked off the throne of your life? A heart of disobedience. If you're going to possess a sanctified life, what's going to have to be dispossessed? The the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life cannot have control of your life any longer. That's what Paul said in the Living Bible. Don't let sin reign in Romans 6. Don't let sin reign in your puny body any longer. No, this thing's coming down. This is not the Lord of my life. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm a slave of righteousness. And if we're going to possess, we're going to have to do so by dispossessing. You see, if you want to possess the will of God, if you want to have a keen sense of the will of God for your life, you're going to have to do like Jesus did and make sure that the will of the flesh has been crucified on Calvary's cross. And there may be, need to be some things in our life. If we're going to possess, we've got to dispossess and break allegiance and undermine unhealthy and ungodly governance in our life that has kept us from possessing what God really has for us to possess. And you see, understand something. If we're going to overthrow the giants in our future, we've got to overthrow the giants in our present. And if we're going to see the walls of our future Jerichos come down, we've got to deal with the walls of resistance and the walls of, of rebellion and all those things in our life. They need to come down. You've got to overthrow so you can overthrow. The problem with the children of the Israel in the first 40 years, it says in 1 Kings, pardon me, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, with many of them, God was not well pleased because they were overthrown in the wilderness. They didn't overthrow. They were overthrown. And if, we don't be, if we're not busy about the business of overthrowing, we will be overthrown. Are you with me? Yeah, we focus on forward, right? But there's some things we got to do battle with to get from point A to point B. There's giants in the land. You can stand on the sidelines of life, listen, and sing, we are able to go up and take the country all you want. But until you step out of your comfort zone and begin to follow after God and begin to believe his word for your life and move out and see God do a miracle in your life and obey what he has to you and overthrow those things in your life that have hindered you for this, time, for this, this long, you'll never arrive into God's provision for your life. You got to prepare, we got to prepare our lives. Got to prepare ourselves if we're going to press forward. There's nothing more frustrating than seeing the promise and being ill-prepared to obtain what God has for you. Prepare provisions for yourself. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord is going to do wonders in your midst. We've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. Let me ask you some big questions about the big idea today. Some big questions about the big idea. Here they are. 
we need to ask ourselves, well, oh wait, preacher, what's the big idea? I say, what's the big idea? Here it is. Here it is again. There are some things we must possess by way of preparation in order to possess our promised provision. Let me ask you some big questions about this big idea. Number one, are you prepared to possess the promises that God has planned for you? Is your life prepared and ready? Are you at the door of God's supernatural supply in your life and standing there ill-prepared to possess what He has for you? Question number two in the same kind of theme, what needs to be overthrown in your life in order to prepare you for possessing the promise? What needs to be overthrown so you can overthrow? Question number three, what must you possess in the midst of this process of possessing in order to possess? You see, God has a plan. He has something for you to possess. But what do you need to possess in this process? Joshua told the people, prepare provisions for yourself. For tomorrow, in three, day, or in three days, you're going to cross over this Jordan and you're going to possess the promise of God for your life. Important questions to ask ourselves. And as we come to the close, move into halftime of uncharted waters. We've got to ask ourselves these questions. Am I prepared? Am I really ready? Are, some thing, are there some things in my life that need to be overthrown? Ryan mentioned the past. You know, some people are so hung up in the past, they can't look to the future. Am I so hung up with my fears and doubts? Or my will? Or my flesh? What do I need to reach out and possess in order to possess what God has for me and His perfect plan for my life? Let's stand together today. I'm going to ask you to process this message today. Most of the time when the preacher tells people to stand up, your brain kicks out of gear. Don't do that. In fact, let your brain kick in gear even a little more. Let your spirit connect a little more. In fact, let's just lift up our hands and say, Lord, we receive what you're saying to us today. Come on. Let's just yield to the word of the Lord today. Come on, let's just begin to say it's 1159. Come on, we got a moment or two here. Lord, we yield ourselves to what you're saying to us today. Lord, we know our lives need to be prepared for your use. I think of Isaiah who had to have his tongue fixed. In order to be useful to God, he had to be sanctified and cleansed. Lord, help us prepare our lives. Lord, help us get a keen sense of your will for our life. Help us get a hold of the prophetic word of God for our life. Lord, help us to sanctify ourselves and possess our own souls in sanctification and honor. And Lord, help us possess a real heart to obey the command of God over our life.
Let us be possessed by your will. Let us be possessed by your righteous life. Let us be possessed by the prophetic unction of God on our life, the rhema word of God, and a heart to obey you. Do it in us today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now you spend a little time there putting your stamp of personal confirmation on that little simple prayer we pray. Lord, for me, Come on, make it personal right now. Lord, this is the area. Come on, make it personal. Come on, step on in. Lord, this is where I need to move to. Lord, I wanna, I'm going to dispossess some things. I'm going to overthrow some things in my life. Some of you are battling Jericho. Some of you are battling giants in your life. You think they're so big and overwhelming and so, so, uh, so in charge of your life. Listen, yield yourself to the governance of Almighty God. He'll give you the power to overthrow. Lord, let the walls come down. Let the victory be won. Lord, some struggling with immorality in their life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Lord, let us learn to possess our bodies in sanctification. Let us learn to yield our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We fix our eyes upon you, Lord. We thank you for the victory today. In Jesus' name.